0: Hey, everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Flyers. That's right, PHLY. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Joining me as always, Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. It's Charlie O'Connor. Charlie, how are you this afternoon?
1: Doing well. Doing well. Just came from uh, from Voorhees. I can tell you're in your standard uh, fleece practice uniform. You see, you have to, when you're going to practice... You have to dress nice enough that people aren't going to look at you like, what the hell are you wearing? But also not so nice that it's uncomfortable because there's no. You got to wear a suit to every game. Yeah, like I'm not going to. Yeah, like when I first was on the beat, I thought to myself, I got to show up in a polo for every practice. I got to look nice, maybe have dress shoes on. And then after about a year of doing that and realizing that no one else did that and everybody else just wore pretty nice casual stuff, I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm being more, com- more comfortable, <laughs> but I also didn't want to look like a, a schlub. So I figured the Columbia fleece is like a good middle ground. So I have like a, a group of like two or three that I just cycle through throughout the course of the week.
0: Yet another reason the one with the journalism degree in this room cannot be a journalist. <laughs> because if I'm not allowed to dress this way, I don't want to do it, quite honestly. Like I, I, I'm i done with weddings. I'm like, no, Nope. I'm yep. not wearing a tie. I'll tell you that. Yeah, like, nope, I'll, no more suits. I'll wear the I'll wear the
1: co- the coat. I'll wear the button up. I'll even tuck it in. Put on a belt. I'm done with. Well, ties. now we're All probably never going to see you wearing a suit again since the classic orange one has been destroyed. Yeah.
0: Well, the R.I.P. the
1: the dunk tank was the uh, the dunk tank at the uh, Flyers
0: Carnival last season was was the final appearance of the orange tuxedo. It served me from senior prom until you know, f- spring of 2023. Hey, so that's, it went, it went
1: that ain't out with a It big. went out with the bag.
0: All right, we have a uh, a couple of house cleaning things. I've told you all, all week, that we're going to do State of the Rebuild today, and this is not like Mailbag Monday. It's actually going to happen on the day. Uh, we do have a couple of house cleaning things to take care of first uh, before we get into basically bringing... The conversation Charlie has been having in our diehard Discord to the people. Uh, So if you want to have these conversations directly with Charlie, he actually answers them. uh, Become a diehard, allphly.com,
1: and you get to join the Discord. But I do. I was told, I think it was either by a commenter or by Jamie Lynch or maybe a combination of the two, that the Flyers section of our Discord for diehards only is easily the one with the most text. Because the other, a lot of the other ones are a little bit more. Hey, it's the Eagles one. We're just going to live, basically live tweet and rant about how angry we are at Brian Johnson for calling a bad play. Of course. Whereas the Flyers one is much more of let's have an in-depth discussion on the merits of the Flyers rebuilding plan, and let's speak in paragraph form. It's basically my old comment section of the Athletic, just in chat
0: room form. So if you missed that old comment section. AllPHLY.com. We got an update on the takeover at the Wells Fargo Center, the Flyers game in which you can purchase tickets to hang out with me and Charlie at the game. Uh, It is not December 4th, like we told you. Bit of a miscommunication here. December 14th, you see how that can happen, right? 4th, 14th, but it gives us a couple more. It gives us like two more weeks to promote it, which I'm very excited about because it was like watch party. Black Friday sale. All right, now we got to sell tickets to a... Like, it was too much, so this gives us enough time. But keep an eye on our socials uh, for more details. But it'll be the 14th. They're against the Washington Capitals. Are the Capitals very good? Who's to say? Who is very good? Alex Ovechkin. He's got five goals on the season. 827 in his career. Needs 67 uh, to match Gretzky. Every time he takes the ice is a chance to see history made. So you'll get to see that as well as yours, mine, and our Philadelphia Flyers. That's on December 14th. If you want your tickets, you can uh, get them through us. And uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. So last night's game, we talked about it on post game. We did. Uh, we don't get a chance to get as in-depth when you're remote. Uh, so just a couple of things. Sure. You mentioned how John Tortorella said, listen, team came out flat. What are you going to do? That's going to happen in an 82-game season. They worked our asses off most nights. Can't get too mad at them about that. I think if you look at the two teams, it's like, yeah, one's way better than the other. (laughs) This is just going to happen sometimes. Sure. But the perhaps pattern emerging that I was just thinking about after the fact when you said, yeah, they looked flat. Yeah, they did. He canceled practice Monday because they seemed tired from the schedule that they had been on, you know, Wednesday, then Thanksgiving, Thursday afternoon or Friday afternoon game, Saturday game. So he cancels Monday practice. They look tired. Now, after two days off, uh, Sunday, Monday, they come out flat. I'm not even saying it's bad. He canceled practice. I'm just wondering if flat might be more of a trend. Now that we're basically into December and their whole identity is like playing with pace, outworking you. It's a long season. Is that sustained? Like, do you think maybe just the effort, not even like they're not trying, but it's just the legs aren't there could
1: become more. Of a pattern as we're into, you know, the second month of the season. Now. Well, I guess we'll find out. I think that's really the only way I can answer you because I don't know. I guess we're going to find out if the Flyers can truly sustain this degree of effort on a nightly basis or if games like Tuesday, where I don't think the Flyers played terribly on Tuesday night. They obviously lost four to one. A lot of those goals were on, you know, one-off mistakes. Scott Lawton doesn't get a puck out, bounces right to Brendan Lemieux. He scores. Carter Hart apparently kicks the puck in off of what he called a bad bounce, what I would call a weak goal. Um, Then it's 3-1. Then they score an empty netter. So I don't think the Flyers deserve to win that game. I think Carolina was better. But I didn't think they got destroyed. I just thought Carolina was a bit better. And we're going to see if this flatness, if even just a little bit of a dip in energy leads to them being more like the team we expect to go into the year or if they can sustain what they've been doing which is you know hanging around the that bubble part of the playoff race it was interesting though i when i talked to tortorella today after practice i asked him first question and it's always here's another little inside baseball tidbit for you guys and girls out there listening one thing i've learned about covering john tortorella is don't ask the first question because <laughs> he comes in with like knives out for the first question. Whatever the first question is, it's not going to get a good answer because that's when he's ticked off that he has to be in there talking to the media in the first place. Then, once you get to the third or fourth question, then he realized, like, oh, I actually don't like totally hate these people. I like talking hockey. I'm warmed up. I might give you a good answer. But no one had asked a question. It was a little bit of a pause. So I'm like, all right, I'll be the sacrificial lamb. I'll ask the question. And my question was, now that you've had a chance to watch the tape, I know last night after the game, you said they were flat, didn't really want to go into detail. After watching the tape, do you still think the problem was that they were flat or did you see other issues? And Tortorella's answer was, I haven't watched the tape. I'm not going to watch the tape of this game. <laughs> that one's just out the window. We're going to we're gonna write that one off. So clearly, John Tortorella thinks this this was a one-off. We didn't have energy, but it's not going to recur kind of game. We'll see if he's right.
0: We will. And uh, the other thing I thought about last night's game, we talked about this a bit, just the weirdness of this schedule. And this is, you know, the third time they've played the uh, Carolina Hurricanes in a month. Their first game against them was October 30th. Last night was the November 28th. They've played them three times in like three and a half weeks. That's been a lot. And this is kind of getting to when we said, when they were really looking good. It was, all right, they can play with anyone on a nightly basis, but I wonder, you know, if they were to make the playoffs, how does that translate to playing the same team every other night for two weeks? And I think we may have seen a bit of like, hey, first two games against the Hurricanes, Flyers played even with them. They were good in both games. They win one, they lose one, but they played even last night. Not the case. Carolina kind of took over. Like, maybe Carolina's just getting its legs. They were getting horrible goaltending to start the season, all that, all their issues. But, like, the familiarity factor. Like, all right, we know what the Flyers are doing now. It's going to be a pain in the ass, but we are so clearly better than them. We know how to beat
1: them. Like, is there a little part of that? Could be. That that could be part of it, to be sure. I do think, though, I I wouldn't disregard in that theory. I wouldn't disregard the fact that John Tortorella and Bradshaw, and I I can't say anything about Rocky Thompson because he hasn't been a part of John Torrell's staff for years. He's a new guy with this particular team. But those two, Torrell and Shaw, they've shown in the past that they can do a good job in playoff series. Yeah. I'm thinking back to when they took down like the best team ever in the first <laughs> round. So, and that was a, a four games in what, five or six nights? Yeah, yeah. And they clearly made the adjustments necessary to take down a far superior team in a short playoff series. So I don't think it's that this coaching staff can't, you know, navigate a playoff series or navigate the third or fourth time against a team over a short period of time in the schedule because they've done it before. However, I do think it's... I do think there may have been a little bit of surprise on the part of NHL teams that had a year's worth of tape to watch of John Tortorella's Flyers club last year. And then the Flyers come out this year fenced fast, <laughs> carrying the puck into the zone, not completely dependent upon a forecheck, cheating a little bit, or as, um, as Tortorella would say... What was his thing? It wasn't cheating. It's not anticipating. Ch- anticipating. Yes, correct. Anticipating. Um, they're just, they were just playing a different style. So maybe teams that were going in thinking they were going to get one Flyers team, got a different flyers team, and maybe that, that threw them a little bit. Now there's enough tape on the flyers that teams know what to expect and they know, Hey, you know what? You know, maybe we can't exploit the second pair. Like we thought we could because Sean Walker's a lot better than we assumed, But we sure can exploit Mark Stahl, like, and and that's the thing. Like, you learn more about who this team is in the here and now. And quite frankly, the good teams just start playing better. I mean, you're seeing it now with Edmonton Oilers. Obviously, they got off to a tough start. Obviously, they fire their coach, so it's a little bit different. But suddenly, it's the end of of November, and Connor McDavid remembers he's the best player in the world.
0: Like the Oilers suck. It's like, well, we got to fire the coach. It's like. What really changed? Connor McDavid has twelve points in his last three yeah. games. Yeah, that's what. It, changed. Like, did the coach tell him go be the best player, Connor? <laughs> like, uh, maybe, but he it, like, what's the coach going to do if Connor doesn't score? Their whole strategy is screwed. But my like, point is, is that there's, no, yes. there, there's a reason. There's why, levels to this, and there's a re- there's a building there's
1: to. levels to this, yeah. as in our intro video. Yeah, but the point I'm kind of making is that huh. there's a reason why we talk about small sample sizes, and it's because over large sample sizes, the talent both from an individual player standpoint and from a team standpoint does tend to win out. So to me, if this happens more frequently, I think that's going to be more the result of of that explanation of just the fact that the Flyers are talent efficient in comparison to teams like Carolina that winning out more than the flyers not making the adjustments or whatnot. I think it's just going to be over large sample sizes. Maybe the flyers show that they're not super talented. And now I get
0: to do where I just get to bring everyone along on the ride that I take. You know, like I put these outlines together and stuff, and I just look up different things that interest me, and then I subject Charlie to my rabbit holes, and then Mm -hmm. we bring it to all of you. They played Carolina three times in basically a month. And we talked about the weird schedule. I think it's a little weird, at least. Like, they've, after, like, this time next week, they will have two against Pittsburgh. They've played, like, five different teams two plus times. I find it weird, uh, just the layout to start this season. But it reminded me do you remember it was, uh, like, fall, winter of 2008? From, like, late November to mid December, they played. Carolina four times in like an eight game stretch and they called it the uh, Flyers hurricanes holiday tournament, like a youth (laughs) like holiday tournament. And I just like, it reminded me of the final game of that. Uh, It was just a crazy Flyers fell down five, one after 40 minutes and come back and win in a shootout. And it was like (laughs) the wildest. I'll just never forget like that stretch of games where they played Carolina every other night, basically. And also this crazy thing that happened in 08 that's all I just fell into that if you've never seen the highlights it's wild Uh, Scott Hartnell has a hat trick come back he also has a fight that game just really good shit yeah I I just
1: fall down I just fall down memory lane with like hockey reference and YouTube it's funny because I feel like I've completely memory hold that (laughs) stretch like I was obviously a diehard Flyers fan at the time that said I was also in college without regular access to Cable. Nah. So I suspect I didn't watch many of those games live. My roommates and I watched a lot of TV. We paid a ton in cable back then. Well, see, my problem <laughs> was that I guess if, if you're talking about 2018. I this was 08. Oh, well, okay, 20, 2008, exactly. Yeah. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was a freshman. I was like, Wait, when were you in college? We did not have cable in uh. our freshman dorm. Um. And because I was a law-abiding citizen, <laughs> I did not have a fake ID that allowed me to go into bars uh, to watch the games yet. That's rough. So I didn't watch a ton of Flyers games that year unless they were on national television because I did not have cable that would allow me to watch. Was it still Comcast SportsNet back then? Probably or was yeah, it, it NBC Philly like at 08. that point? Yeah. yeah.
0: Comcast. Uh yeah, I was uh my ID said I was from Battle Creek, Michigan. That's Beautiful. where that's where mine was. <laughs> all right, uh calling all card collectors. Listen, man, uh, Wheelhouse is our go-to sports card gift and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. Their motto is Cards and Community because love of sports unites us all. They carry all your favorite card brands like Topps Chrome Baseball and Mosaic Football, not to mention T-shirts, hats, and hoodies from brands like Mitchell & Ness, 47 brand, Junk Food, Starter, and Shibe Vintage Sports. And if you're in the market... Get your sport your own sports card collection graded. Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host tons of different family friendly events and birthday parties every month. Stop in either of their stores in Wayne or Westchester, which are open seven days a week at eleven a.m. and use code PHLY to get ten dollars off any purchase of twenty five or more in store. Also, be sure to give them a follow on Instagram at wheelhouse cards all right now we get to the main event thank you for uh, humoring me for the start of this show charlie you're welcome the main event the state of the rebuild like i said this is a uh, a debate that has been it's been polite it's it, it, this isn't like twitter or you know some some other comment sections where it just gets out of control right but there are strong feelings about whether we can even call this a rebuild at this point, you know? Uh, and so I just want to point to a couple of the comments that we have seen in the Discord to get this conversation started, and we will begin with uh, one of the one of our diehards, Chad. And he says, maybe this is something to address on the pod. Uh, you said that you will talk about the state of the rebuild. What do you think of Tortz's comments about Zamula, reported by Meltzer? He's wildly inconsistent which is expected, it's not a bad thing. I can't tell you about his minutes. It depends on how he plays. I'm not going to keep putting someone out there because we need to develop him when it may affect the outcome of a win or a loss. Uh, Chad says, doesn't this last sentence directly contradict the purpose of a rebuild? And I think we can, like, he's referencing Zamula, but we can just use this generally. My response to this is, while for the most part I have said there's only one way to learn how to play in the NHL and it's playing in the NHL but I do look around sometimes and think like I reference Luke Shen all the time I think that dude had much higher potential and he started too early and he kind of fell into the groove is like this is what I have to do to survive and then he became that player and it never never built from there and so I think you just kind of like all of a sudden you have 200 300 games played and you're you are who you are now You never really develop, and a guy struggling, yeah, he's got to learn, but if the struggling is just he's not getting any better, he doesn't seem to be learning, he's repeating the mistakes, it's not helping him develop. And so maybe like, oh, it affects the win or loss. Like Obviously, a lot of people don't care about wins this season. They told us they're rebuilding. But the Flyers do. But the Flyers do, right? and it's like – if he's hurting them, that can't help his
1: confidence. And if you're not confident, how do you get better? Yeah, I think the distinction here, and this is, I, I feel like a lot of people read more into that quote than oh, what no. than what Tortorella was saying because Tortorella very specifically is talking about minutes. And when you're talking about minutes, that implies that said player is already in the lineup. I feel like a lot of people read that quote and took that to mean we're not going to play a guy. And by not play him, we mean not start him, Scratch not put him, not put him. him yeah. in the lineup because wins and losses are all that matters. I think what Tortorella was really saying there is, let's say Igor Zamul is in a game. He's one of our six defensemen in that game. Halfway through the game, he's playing like garbage. He just doesn't have it. He looks over match every time he gets the puck he treats it like a hand grenade. He's getting turned on the rush. He's a mess. What Tortorella is saying is that in that game, his goal as coach is not development. His goal as coach in that game is winning. And he's not going to keep throwing Igor Zamula out there for his regular shift with the goal of developing him when he knows, and everybody else on the bench knows, that if you keep throwing Igor Zamula out there, he's probably going to cause a loss because he just doesn't have it that night because he's a young, inconsistent player. Now, I have zero issue with that because I think if if a coach is coaching in-game not to win, like that What's is he a doing? that is a bad culture to create. Yeah. Now, where I where I will say is that, well, I don't think you should be coaching in game all about like I don't think you should be coaching in game in terms of just development. You should be setting your lineup and you should be planning out your season in terms of development when you're rebuilding. And I think the way they've been treating Zamula kind of shows that they are. We're through 22 games this season. He's played in 17 of them. Yes, he's been scratched a few times, but. 17 out of 22 games, like that's pretty good. That means he's easily on pace to clear 60 games, 60 games played. And while some people might say, well, now that now stall and Risto are back, how's he gonna get into games? I just came from practice today. Zamula was back on the third pair, stall was on the extra pair, so it looks like stall is indeed going to be scratched. It was Zamula Risto yes. Stall Belpedio. Yes, correct. So I have I do not think that. Coaching to win in a game is a betrayal of the rebuild. I do think coaching, like setting your lineup every day in terms of what will give you the best chance of winning each individual game, that could be betraying the rebuild. But I don't think that's what the Flyers are doing, especially with Zamul. And I think the proof is in just how many games he's played, despite the fact that he's been struggling for a lot of those games. And this is... Just something I was thinking about while
0: you were talking. Like he's played 17 of the 22 games. You know who that's like more than Leo Carlson, second overall pick. And they're they're doing a a load management thing with him, where that's a plan. Like it's it's very much a plan. But the idea is to avoid the rookie wall with him. And it's like, well, dudes need to learn to play the long season and then figure out what it takes and that all that. But I will say, like for someone like Zamula or if it's Brink, who you know coming out of college and then short season injury last year, he's never really played the full rigorous 82 game schedule. Like if you say hit the wall in February and you just have no legs and they keep running you out there, how do you get better? Like, now you're just that guy struggling out there, and maybe you learn from it and change your habits and become a whatever, whatever it takes. Or maybe you get frustrated, and then it sends you down a spiral. Yeah, and it just sends you into a spiral. Like, if he's a little bit more fresh and he's better in the spring than he is in November, like, it worked. Uh, This is all to say— It could fail. It could fail. Like, I'm not. uh, Listen, if I was in charge of this thing, they'd be tanking. I would have torn the thing down. (laughs) Like, that's. I want to get that out there. Like, I'm not saying what they're doing is definitely right it's probably wrong. They're the fly- they're the Flyers. But like they mess up a lot. Yeah, that's just my bias as someone who has been frustrated by this team for the last decade of his life. You know, like I'm talking about something that happened when I was in college and now I'm 35 doing this full-time and they're they're bad. They're <laughs> like, still bad. They've been bad for a lot <laughs> of this period. Like uh, I'm just trying to put it all in context so that we can have we can all have the same conversation. And like I get the pitfalls they're trying to avoid is what I'm saying, even if maybe I don't necessarily agree with every decision they're making.
1: Yeah, what I would say, and this is the the approach I try to take in my coverage of the team, I have my opinions as to what the path, the overarching path I think they should take. The Flyers are not doing exactly what I would have done had I been running the show. However, just because it's not what I would have done... That doesn't mean that it's it's impossible that this this will work. Like that doesn't mean that like I think that if you didn't do it my way then you're going to fail because you're all idiots and only I know the right way. Like just because it's not what I would have chosen doesn't mean it's destined to fail. This could work. And I, well, well as a journalist, I have to be skeptical. I want to be skeptical of what they're doing. Healthy because,
0: skepticism is how you like come up with any idea. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> I want to be skeptical of their plan, and I want to criticize them when I feel they deserve criticism. But I am never going to go into the evaluation of— a plan that at least has the potential to succeed. So I'm setting aside the the Chuck Fletcher aggressive retail because that plan was just never going to work. It was destined to fail. It didn't make any actual sense when you scratch below the service. This plan could work. It's not the plan I would have personally chosen, but this plan has the potential to work. It also has the potential to fail. And if it fails, I will rip them for not picking the right plan because in the end, Results are all that matters. But I do think this plan could work. We'll see if it works. We'll see how it plays out. But I'm not going to I'm not going to crucify them and and proclaim that there's no way this plan is going to work when I can take a step back and say, This plan could work. It's possible. We'll see if it works. And I will,
0: while we're on the subject, I just saw the comment from HC. It was like, well, if that's the case. Maybe someone like Tyson Forster could use a game off here. Maybe. I'm not saying that's bad. Like, yeah. And we, will, we have said, like, yes, there is some hypocrisy in the decision-making, at least from an outside perspective. And, that, and that's like, where we should be critical. Yeah, and we are. We, you <laughs> know, it's, that's just what it is. I'm glad you brought up Chuck Fletcher there, though, because like, in terms of things I agree with, man, I don't remember anyone coming on the scene and being like, Hack, you're gone. Andrew McDonald, you're gone. Yuri Letera, you're gone. Carter Hart, you're up. Oh, wait. And somebody I'm, did do that. And I'm like, this dude's genius. Yeah, right. <laughs> and we all see how that worked out. Yeah, right. It's like, I agreed with what they were doing for a year. And then... Things started to completely deteriorate and then there was a pandemic and then nothing they did was right for three years. Yeah. Like it's just basically it's basically how it went. So like whether I agree or not, who's to say what's right? You know, they looked like they were on a really good path with that, and then yeah. everything fell apart. Yeah, everything, everything fell like, apart. who's to say. Um, I'm gonna get to uh now from from uh J Chime ninety. Uh, one of our one of our Discord diehards, he said, "Did the Flyers miss their chance to get the most value out of Lawton? He had 18 goals last season and is on pace for four this year. He took advantage of being on the power play and being in more of a scoring role. It's like, yeah, he got way more opportunity because no Sean Couturier, yeah. you know, no Cam Atkinson." okay, I just named two guys in the top six. Yep. Like, It's going to be different. with yeah. He's going to have now, a different role. Now you have role. guys like Tyson Forrester now Bobby Now Forrester's here, Brank's yeah. here. There's just fewer opportunities. He's not going to have the same kind of
1: season simply because there's no spot. Did they miss that chance? It's tough for me to say because I'm just not sure what his value is around the league, period. Just because his numbers are down doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't four teams out there that have scott lawton on their list of guys that they think man for the playoffs we want to get a guy like that like all you need are a couple teams who view scott lawton as that missing gritty piece that that blake coleman that barclay goudreau that's all you need and just because his numbers are down like i don't think any of the teams let me put it this way i don't think any of the teams that were interested or could be interested in scott lawton looked at his numbers last year and said, if we trade for Scott Lawton, he's going to put up 45 points on average." Yeah, I think they know that they know that if he's on a contending team, he's on the fourth line. Maybe at best, he is like the third best player on their third line, but that's the reason why they're getting him. They want a guy with those intangibles. They want a guy who can be the Swiss army knife. Now, is he a little bit less shiny because he doesn't have those numbers this year? Sure, because you think to yourself, well, man, before he was a a guy who we view as a bottom sixer, but on the shitty Flyers team as a top sixer. Now it's like, well, even on that shitty Flyers team, he's a bottom sixer. Maybe we overrated him. So I guess my answer is maybe. That said, it's still early. I could see Scott Lawton bouncing back to be sure. He's back in the top nine, at least was in practice today. He might just be off to a slow offensive start. Maybe he goes on a run. Last year, if you remember, he got off to a pretty slow start last year too. Came on around, I believe it was like December when he kind of got going. And then from there, scored really well for a guy in his role. So I'm not writing off Scott Lawton. I do think that there's a strong argument to be made that maybe they should have traded him last summer. Maybe that was his maximum value. The way they looked at it, though, was that they think Lawton's intangible value to building a culture was more important than maximizing his value this summer and that they could always trade him a few years down the road. I still think he'll have value if they want to move him this summer, if they want to move him at the deadline, if they want to move him two years from now. Is it possible that they missed the boat in terms of getting max value? Sure, but the way they would look at it is that's a worthwhile sacrifice because he was around to help us build the culture we wanted to build.
0: I will say, yeah, it would have been nice to, you know, the rumors we hear he could have, we could have got a first round pick, maybe even a
1: first round pick plus some other stuff for Scott Lawton. That's, I think that that's a crazy return. I I, I think it's possible they could have gotten a first. I think the idea that they were going to get a first plus a bunch of stuff is uh, always mean, insane.
0: A fur like uh, <laughs> when I say a bunch of stuff, I mean, hell Jay Grants, mm. like, okay, a first and then some dude. Okay. Like I'm just, whatever it was, a first round pick is, is the prize there. I almost look at it I'm I'm starting to look at the Lawton situation equal yet opposite to Morgan Frost um did they miss their chance no because there never actually was a chance they were going to trade him <laughs> they look and like Morgan Frost are they missing out on what he could be no because he's not gonna make it <laughs> like doesn't matter Scott Lawton is and you can disagree with this all you want I think they probably should have traded him They have this idea that building the culture is, if not just as important as getting the high-end talent, it's right there. It's pretty damn important. And if they're going to do that and he is an integral piece in that, it's like, all right, or we're gonna get the twenty eighth pick. Yeah. First, like you're trading him to a team that thinks they can win the cup. Yeah. Now, yeah, maybe like they flame out in the playoffs, and like you trade him to Toronto, and they lose in the first round because they're Toronto.
1: Yeah. And then uh, you get like the twenty. Yeah. And you pick. Get,
0: but like it's <laughs> you know we we keep talking about oh well they're draft sixteenth who they're gonna get it's like okay well that's what they're getting with the Scott Lawton return they see the culture they're building as more valuable so they were never really going to do it it was yeah we're listening yeah
1: and if- it, it would have taken if if we believe the rumors that there was at some point a first round pick on the table for Scott Lawton it's very clear that they were only going to trade him unless somebody like just gave them the mood because a first-round pick is a darn good return for Scott Lawton on its own. Like, that's already, that's a great- honestly, an overpay. They didn't want to just get an overpay for Lawton. They wanted, like, an overpay times three. It's
0: unfair to call Scott Lawton a first-round bust because he has had, he had a good career. He's had a very good career yeah. to this point, been an integral p- piece of this thing. He's a nice contributor. Good teams want him. Yeah. We're talking about good teams exactly. wanting him. But when you talk about your hope for a first-round pick where they drafted him, it's higher than what Scott Lawton has, get. unfairly. Yeah, unfairly. Like because we just think, oh, first round pick has yeah. to be Travis Konecny or better. Like,
1: yeah, it's g- like g- given where he given where he was drafted, yeah. I think he is good value for where he was drafted in but terms that was of what he ago. But that is definitely not the feeling that most people have about first, round, first round picks. Round, yes. A first round pick is a first round pick. Like, if you get a Scott Lawton out of the twenty, I think it was like twenty first or twenty second overall pick, that's a good outcome. It doesn't feel like a good outcome because everybody looks at that pick and says, well, it wasn't Claude Giroux. Yeah. They didn't
0: get drew. They didn't get connecting yeah. who they've drafted yeah. in a similar area. it's like, okay, but like, a first for him, like you said, like you're getting 10 years later, what you invested in him. Yeah. That's a decent return. Pretty good return. I just think like, it's just something that's not going to happen for this team. And that gets us to the final discord comment from a uh, Eagles fan 36 shout out Westbrook. Um, and I guess this is the crux of the matter. Yeah. In a true rebuild, Lawton, TK, and Hart would all be traded. Now, there were later comments like, listen, they can't
1: trade Hart. Yeah. I bet which you they would if they true. could. Yeah.
0: If the return's crazy, which for a goalie of his caliber at his age, it might be. But looming black cloud. Hockey Canada. You can't yep. trade Carter Hart. But just looking at like who they are as players, veterans, good Any good team would want them. Yes. Lawton, TK, and Hart are the guys you focus on, and it's like we're looking at them, all three, as dudes who are going to be here
1: for the foreseeable future at least. Can you not call it a rebuild if they're here? See, I disagree with that, and this is the point I made in our Discord, where this is the distinction between a rebuild and a tank. Yes, you certainly can't call it a tank because those guys are still here, because if you were tanking, they'd all be gone, or at least two of them would be gone. Maybe Hart wouldn't be gone because of the Hockey Canada thing, but Lawton would be gone, and Connecty would definitely be gone if you were tanking, because he's probably their best player who only has another year and a half on his contract. Yeah, he's the exact guy you trade if you're tanking. The Flyers have made it clear, and to their credit, they... From day one, when they announced they are going to rebuild, Danny Breer was with interim GM. He said, we're going to rebuild. Dan Hilferty, in his first interview, which he did with me, said, we're going to rebuild. But he also said, we're not tanking. Breer said, I don't believe we have to tank. I believe we have to rebuild. In a rebuild, I don't think, I think you can trade those guys in a rebuild. But I don't think you have to trade those guys in a rebuild because number one, with Lawton, they're very clearly looking at him as the, the culture guy. That's, that's his role in this. His role is not that he's going to be a key part of the next great Flyers team. Is that he's going to help create the next great Flyers team by being a culture guy. That's their view of his role. Konechny isn't that old. And I think, honestly, what probably held them off in terms of trading Konechny is, okay, we've got this guy who loves being a Flyer, who, honestly, if we were good, Flyers fans would love him. He is exactly the kind of guy that Flyers fans love, and he's not that old. If this is a five-year rebuild, then yeah, we need to trade Travis Konechny as for whatever we can get before his contract expires. If this is a two- to three-year rebuild, then in two- to three years, we're going to be looking to trade for or sign a Travis Konechny. So why not wait a little bit, wait a year, see how close we actually are to potentially turning the corner, see whether this is a two- to three-year rebuild versus a five- to six-year rebuild. And if it's the former, then maybe we shouldn't trade Travis Konechny. We should actually consider re-signing him and then basically turning him into, like, the free agent signing that we don't have to make once we turn the corner. So that's the connecting thing. The Hart thing, like, let's not not blame them for Hart. That's complicated because of Hockey Canada. But I think, I absolutely believe you can still call this a rebuild while keeping all three of those guys. Now, it might not be a properly executed rebuild. But to me, a rebuild is when you care more about the future versus the present. And I don't think keeping those guys necessarily means they care more about the present than the future. I think it just means they have a different opinion of how those guys could fit in the future as opposed to the people who wanted them traded.
0: And they have the opinion that having competent NHLers who make you competitive will help dudes like Tyson Forster. Right. Like, last year, they're playing in fake games. Like, I don't know how anyone's ever supposed to get better when the games, like, for the second half of the season are not real. Those were exhibitions. They did not matter. Yeah, you can get your reps
1: in, but it's like, what, do we win? I mean, this is one <laughs> of the reasons why I've remained skeptical of the Morgan Frost second-half surge, because a lot of those games, like, did they, they, they mattered, yes. I'm not going to say they didn't matter, But they weren't high-stakes games. They were zero-stakes games. They were exhibition games. They only
0: played them because, by law, they have to. you got to fill out (laughs) the schedule. You have to play 82. (laughs) It's the rules. Uh, Listen, we're talking about the state of the rebuild right now. Maybe you want to see it in person. Maybe you want to go tomorrow night, in fact. Maybe you want to get down to the Wells Fargo Center and say, Flyers, Devils on a Thursday night? Baby, sign me up! Well... The best way to go is with game time because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So you know they're you know they're they're following the same script as Tortorella. 100 not good enough. 110 or you're out of here. That's how uh, that's how confident they are. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And I guess that gets us to the. The scars we have, I think a lot of the skepticism of what we're seeing, like say this is eight years down the line of Kings fans, and it's like, well, they have to rebuild. And, oh, dude, look at look at what we did keeping Kopitar and Dowdy around, and now look, it all worked. So yeah. let's try that again with like Quentin Byfield or whoever. Yeah, it's fair. Like, but the scars we have, so many people are saying this is just what Hextall did. And it did not work. Right. It didn't. It failed. Obviously. Like, Provorov, the key piece of that thing, I guess, outside of heart, well, he's gone. Like, (laughs) all those dudes, it's like, oh, wow, Travis Sanheim's the best one. That's weird. Did not see (laughs) that one coming. You know? Like, is this just Hextall 2.0? Like, can you... Is that a fair thing to say? That this is another... This is just gonna... This is
1: exactly what Hextall did, and therefore, it will not work. Well, so... I will say, and I've said this in columns, I've said this on the show, I believe, that if the flyers are good, which jury's still out, you know, yeah. they they may settle in in that like five to ten range in, in terms of where they're drafting, and then I think we can all agree that teams in that range are not good. But if the flyers are good, if the flyers remain a bubble playoff team in that that race for the wild card spot all year and they they end up drafting like 14th or fifteenth or whatever, if they are good, then right now, then this does definitely resemble a Ron Hextall rebuild 2.0, except replace, Sean, uh, replace Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek, and Wayne Simmons as the people propping it up and keeping them from bottoming out. Replace them with John Tortorella and his coaching style and his ability to get the most out of players. That's what's propping this talent-efficient team up, and that's what's keeping them from bottoming out. So yeah, I do think there are similarities because both Rebuilds, if we're going to call them rebuilds, in both rebuilds, both people running the show believed that it was important to stay competitive because we didn't want to implement a culture of losing. See how that turned out, Ron? The culture of losing still got implemented, so (laughs) I don't know. It sure did. maybe, Maybe that's not as much of a thing as you want to believe it is, but they didn't bottom out. They didn't sell everybody. They kept guys, and they tried to pause on the win now so they were no longer giving up assets they were no longer making win now trades being active at the trade deadline things like that but they also weren't going out of their way to bottom out and get top overall picks and sell claude drew and sell wayne simmons and sell everybody they sold wayne simmons at the end but that was when there was very little left of wayne simmons so i do think that there are absolutely similarities however and this is the point i made on the show i believe last month the ron hextall rebuild while it did fail it was not destined to fail. If, you, if Ron Hextall does everything he did, every other thing, except instead of Ivan Provorov, he takes Mika Randon. And then instead of Nolan Patrick, he takes one of Miro Haskinen or Kel McCarr. The, that Ron Hextall rebuild works. Maybe not. Maybe it doesn't work in the sense of they win a cup because who the hell knows? Is it too
0: early to start drinking?
1: But if you give those two guys to <laughs> Claude Giroux still operating at peak powers, Sean Couturier selkie contender, and then you have Wayne Simmons, what's left of him? You have Jake Voracek still a darn good player. If you give those guys those two absolutely elite players, the rebuild works. The thing with this, if you're going down this route, it just means that you're you're. Your high-end guys, your top 10 guys, are going to finish out at Mofei Mitchkov and Cutter Gauthier, and those guys need to pan out in a way that Ivan Provorov and obviously Nolan Patrick did not pan out. Like, Provorov was a decent player, but if Cutter Gauthier is just a decent player in the vein of Ivan Provorov, that, that's not good enough. That's not, it could be good enough if you have five years worth of top 10 picks. But if they're good and they're not going to get those, then th- those are your two shots. You better have hit home runs with both of them.
0: I understand that line of thinking. And I think this is where you and I might diverge a bit. Okay. Just in terms of how this is going to play out. Yeah. I'm just looking at right now, like, yes, John Tortorella has told us last year they were rebuilding, but, like, no, they weren't. Like, in his mind, they were. In his mind, they were. The rest of the organization was not rebuilding. The dude who was in charge wasn't saying that. Sure wasn't. And that's, I do think, like, that is a little bit of a difference between the Hextall thing and now. Like, yeah, Hextall, we were told, like, had had the blessing of elder ed snyder to like okay yeah we're not going to try to win the cup this year we're not going to do every stupid thing i would normally do (laughs) to try to get us there yeah but like they were never going to sign off on tearing it down right and maybe comcast still doesn't believe in tearing it down and that's why they're taking the path they're going in but you made this point in discord they are marketing this as a rebuild they are telling the fans this at every turn yeah even when they were looking good, five-game winning streak, nice start to the season, whatever, it was going to take a while. We're not good. Losses are coming. This is going to be a long-term process. They would not tell you their own business. Their business, in this is hockey. Like, they need <laughs> – this is hockey. It's not like they make a trillion dollars from Off TV. TV rights, yeah. like, like, basketball, and it's like, yeah, if the Sixers, like, yeah, who cares? Like, no, you need gate revenue to make money in hockey, and they're telling the fans, like, yeah, we ain't gonna be winning too much, so don't worry about it. Yeah, like, like we love for you to show up, but <laughs> we get it if you. Won't. Yeah, we we understand. We're <laughs> telling you straight up, we're not going to be good. Like, there's clearly a different level of commitment from the higher ups, yes. just in terms of how they're marketing this. And I can't imagine that would be the
1: case if, like, actually we're not going to do that. <laughs> like, I, I can't. Like, what is the what is the point of that? Yeah, wh- why why would you purposely cut your marketing department off at the knees? By saying yeah. we're rebuilding and then not actually rebuild. Like, half the fans hate the
0: coach and half the fans hate the mascot. Well, that's all we're giving you. Good luck.
1: <laughs> like, all right, so we're going to have half a building. Like they, right. they are definitely rebuilding. Now, again, you might disagree with their chosen method of rebuilding, but... It there is no incentive for them to lie about rebuilding. If you the whole thing, the whole thing that I was yelling about for a year and a half, basically ever since they decided to trade Claude Giroux, is that if you trade Claude Giroux, you have to rebuild. And they wouldn't do it. And in, <laughs> in like, nah, one of no, the big, one of the big reasons why they wouldn't say it, why what I've been told by multiple people is that no one in the organization was allowed to publicly say the word "rebuild." You weren't allowed. Like that was not <laughs> permitted. And the reason was was because they were terrified from the top from Comcast that if if you said rebuild, that fans wouldn't buy tickets. And that was what was holding the whole thing up. And then you had people in the organization that didn't think they had to because they thought they could fix it because they thought that, you know, no, it's all about the mix of the team and that'll fix it. And you have people like us say, you don't have enough talent. Yeah. like Sorry. Uh,
0: Look at Tampa and Colorado who won those cups. All-star teams. Your best player is fading Claude Giroux. <laughs> like, this ain't going to happen, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right. But that's where we diverge is, you know, to get this back right, right. where I was five minutes ago. I'm looking at this right now. We're talking new era of Orange. Right. This is legitimately the first wave of kids that we're seeing. And, like, they're getting a shot to see, like, okay, are these kids stars? Are they going to be good middle six vets? Are they just not going to be it whatsoever? This first wave of kids, like, getting the time right now, don't have super high ceilings. But, like, Tippett, Forster, Brink, York, Faraby, they're going to become the vets... Middle six role players like Farabee higher ceiling yeah. than like middle six role player, but he could be top
1: six or either. he could, he, yeah, even would tip it, but like be. second line left wing is what yeah. he
0: probably is on a good team, probably like yeah. tip it, yeah, high, but probably second line right wing, you know, mm-hmm, like yeah, you're agreed. gonna have those guys and then they push out the placeholders and the maybes, mm-hmm. and then the next wave or two like to come up for their chance, and that's Gautier, Mitch call further down the line. Bonk, maybe Barkey's a part of this. We'll see. He's doing well. Like, right. And then the guys they draft from here. Like, that's the next wave, along with maybe an Ali Lixell, an Elliot Desnoyers, a Samu Tulumala, guys who haven't even got their chance yet. Right. I'm starting to think that this really is. I know we all got excited. I got excited. Like, oh, this is going to be a two year rebuild. It's just going to be a long term thing. And so, right, like this season, they might pick 12th. And then next year they might pick third. Like <laughs> I think that this is maybe because of all the placeholders they have. And I like broke this thing down into tears. I want to get your opinion on that in a second. Because of all the placeholders and maybes they have. And like a dude like Frost. All right. We found out he ain't going to be a part of it. Guy like Zamula. He's a third pair at best. All right. Like if they're not going to be a part of it, those were two key pieces that, not even key pieces, well, if they don't work out, what it's key pieces of let's find out. Yeah. They're in the let's find out part. Yeah. And some dudes, it's just not going to be them. There's going to be more waves. It's going to take longer, but ultimately that could be good. Like when Owen Tippett is the Wayne Simmons, when Farabee is like the new. I don't want to say Giroud at his height, but Giroux at the end. Right. Like when it's those guys are taking those roles and then the high-end pieces come later, I think we'll actually see what this rebuild was. And that's why they keep telling us it's going to be a while. Relax. I think this is year one of a long-term plan. Like... It's not just, okay, we're good now, and we're going to take another step next year. No, they're going to take a step back next year in my mind.
1: We'll see. Uh, they, it, like they be, could. I think it just comes down to you know what Tortorella can get out of the team. We're seeing this year a team with Travis Sanheim as his number one defenseman is somehow like a 500 team. That's wild to me. <laughs> now, maybe he can't do magic two years in a row. I guess we'll see. In fact, that's his career trajectory. Like, and that's something that is, you're not wrong. Like, that's yeah. something
0: like we joke about that he's going to – I even saw you put it in your update the other day like – three-time uh, Lindbergh Trophy winner. Like, yeah, he's having a great year. You know what happens in his career arc thus far whenever up, that happens? down, up, down. He then has a bad year. Yeah. If he's suddenly the Sandheim from a season ago next year,
1: they're going to be far worse. And that's just what you deal with right now. I-, I think my only... I don't totally disagree with you. What I will say is that if that's the case and if that is the way this plays out... It becomes much harder for me to justify keep keeping guys like Konechny, keeping guys like Hart, if the Hockey Canada thing ever, um, you know, ever is resolved in a positive way for Hart, because my whole my whole reasoning for maybe being cool with keeping Konechny and not trading him for a boatload is this idea that. Basically, once Mitch Koff gets here, this team's off to the races. And and if that's if that's the way it plays out, if you trade a Konechny for a first-round pick who probably isn't going to impact the team for another four or five years down the road because that's what most first-round picks that aren't in the top 10, that's that's how long it usually takes them to make it. If, if that's what you're doing, then you're just going to have to go out later and either spend assets to trade for a Travis Konechny, maybe the assets that you got for Travis Konechny, Or you're going to have to spend a ton of... You're going to have to play the free agency game and maybe convince a guy to come. Maybe a guy on the level of Travis Konechny. Whereas if you're going to be good, like legit good, not sneaking into the playoffs good, but if you're going to be good good by 2026, then I can say, yeah, keep Konechny because you're going to need Konechnys to support Mitch Koff's and Gauthier's. But if this is going to be a five-year thing, a six-year thing, a seven-year thing, if it's that long of a process then trade Konechny now because by the time you do turn the corner, by the time you are through all of these waves, then Travis Konechny is 30 years old and starting to decline and probably has the second half of a contract that you gave him that looks pretty ugly.
0: And that's – that's like I was going to build to, and this restarts the trade Konechny conversation for me. Right. But it's not something they have to do right it now. Doesn't, it's not
1: something they have to do yet,
0: yeah. but they might have to do it eventually. No, that's, and that's – like – he turns 27 on 311 day. That's not old, but he is, I always have to reference I his birthday as 311, is 311
1: day. day. Well, just like you always reference how Shane Gospel was, was born on born 420. On
0: 420. Yeah, exactly. it's, why, it's why we celebrate that day every year. It's his birthday. <laughs> um, it's like a thing that doesn't have to happen at the deadline this year. You can, you can wait that out and see how it plays out, but he is due an extension. He'll... Eligible for an extension July 1st of this upcoming offseason, then he's got one year left on his deal. It is something then that has to happen between the end of this season and next trade deadline. Right. Like, But Would it's it be not, yeah. like, I'm not in a huge, I'm willing to let it play out. Like, I'm willing to see how this thing progresses, but it does restart in my mind if this is going to be a five-year th- process of waves coming and there's going to be ups and downs, you have to do it. And that's how I feel about Sean Walker. No matter
1: what, you have to do it because he's 29. To me, the thing with Konechny is the only way you can justify re-signing him is if you really do believe, and you better be friggin' right if you believe this, but you really do believe that Matt mitchkoff coming over is the, like, go sign. That's the, holy shit, this team is real good. That, that, that it's not, that's not the beginning. Yeah, to me, that's that, that, day that, one. That that's the, that's the like, all right, we're already a good team. And now we add like the best player in Europe to the team. Suddenly we go from, oh, we're already a, a playoff team that loses in round one. Add Mave Michkov to that. Suddenly we are a top six team in the league. In my head, it's like that season before Michkov comes over, maybe they get in.
0: Then he comes over and then that is your... Go get a free agent time. Like maybe it's not the very beginning of them being good, but it's time
1: to let's try to win now. But if that's the case, then why not just instead of going get the free agent, why not keep connecting? I guess because that's four years from now, connecting
0: will be thirty-one. Well,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, well, okay. I I have to go back through the math and see exactly how. Yeah, I'm not positive because I'm not sure exactly when. So what age connecting would be the first year Mitchkov gets here? Probably. Turned thirty, will be thirty one at the end of the season. I'm gonna guess. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Look, to me, that's why this the way they play the season is so important. Because if you're starting from a level where you're a bottom five team, then trading, then keeping Travis Konechny is batshit insane. Makes no sense. If you're starting from a level where right now they are the eighteenth best team in the league, and then next year in the final year of Konechny's deal, they are the 10th best team in the league and they're in the playoffs everybody knows they have no chance of winning the cup because they just don't have high end enough players to do it but they're a good team that plays structurally that has depth and just lacks those guys at the top of the lineup then i can justify keeping travis connecting and it goes back to something that that Briere said something that i think even jonesy has said the players will dictate how long this rebuild takes and if the flyers are good now I can justify re signing a Travis Konechny. If the Flyers are still bad, I can't. You got to trade him. And this is, I uh, just
0: side note. Um, how good is that deal for Travis Konechny that he signed? Yeah, like a little underpaid, maybe, but for uh, him to be eligible for an extension at 27 and hit UFA at 28 rather than
1: 30 worked out for him yeah I no, worked he's, out for him. and and also and obviously this wasn't part of his thinking but it plays very well in terms of the timing when the cap's gonna go up it does
0: uh listen these are all things you have to consider when you're uh I, I have no. I have no way to get into this read. Um, It's Foco, baby. Foco Foco, has the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead, they've got overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, anything you need for game day, or maybe you need some accessories, toys, or collectibles for your man cave, she shed, or podcast set, you've got to use Foco for all your team gear needs. Foco always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of this show for all non-presale items use promo code phly10 for 10 off that's promo code phly10 for 10 off at foco get them hoodies it's it's cold out there man reversible blanket hoodies i'm 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 in the market for one i'm gonna be honest i might be purchasing one like after the show because we hired these organizers uh I have no idea where any of my winter coats are. (laughs) Like, I'm wearing a track jacket today. This is what I will be wearing when I leave the office, and it's like 18 degrees outside. Oh, it's real cold. I have no idea where anything is, so I just need to buy new stuff. Yeah, you do. I could ask Ava. And she's like, you have have a full-time job now. Yeah. You got some money. I work one hour a day, (laughs) goddammit. Like, I don't don't have time to be looking for coats. Uh, So I just got to go to FOCO. Uh, So I want to get to, uh, before we wrap up, I'm going to get to my player tiers, like going along with how this is going to, Okay. Play out. All right. Pieces who are going to be here is my first tier. Mm-hmm. Couturier and sandheim just because they kind of have to. They be. ain't
1: going. Nowhere. They got no trade yeah. protections, and I don't think either want to leave.
0: Yeah, they they don't seem interested in leaving. I don't see them going anywhere. Couturier coming off back surgery. Sandheim is like, well, you tried to trade me and couldn't, and I'm
1: still here, so I'm staying. (laughs) I'm staying now He
0: he didn't like demand a trade after they tried to trade him the last
1: time. He's like, I own a house and it's right across (laughs) the street from my buddy TK. I'm not going anywhere. That must be a fun neighborhood. (laughs) Sure. Sure must be, right?
0: Tippet Forster Brink Kate's York. I have an asterisk on Kate's because it's like, uh, who knows? But I think he's a piece who's going to be here. York. That's more maybe more of a probably than a definite, but Forster. Torrance raved about York today. I was surprised. That's you know, JP thought he played a really strong game on um, yesterday. Yesterday, Tuesday. 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 <laughs> you know, days aren't what, real. Uh, so like, tip. Like Forster. Yeah, he needs to score more. But I believe in the talent. They're playing him with Sean Couturier. You know, right. like they, seem they to, believe in. The they talent. seem to really believe in yes. him. So those are the guys. That are in my mind almost definitely going to be here, and then you have the maybes of Hart, TK, Lawton, Risto. I don't know why I have Faraby. Yeah, so Far- Faraby
1: is the only thing I would disagree. I don't know why I have cause, cause I think, think Faraby is a definite. Yeah, I think he is very much. He's young enough. He's taken a step this year. I would absolutely put Faraby in the pieces who are going to be here list. that was a mistake on my I don't I did not mean to put him in the maybe but but the other guys I agree with you and then like Hart and TK are the ones where you're gonna have to make the the tough decision on just in terms of where their age is in relation to where the flyers are Lawton is a like maybe you can get a first-round pick for him and maybe you don't think you need the culture from him anymore or Look, I could envision He's just a, a fourth liner. I could envision a scenario where Lawton stays the entire entirety of his contract. The team's turn in the corner, and Lawton's like, "Yeah, give me a two-year deal worth worth a million, million a year. I want to be part of this. I I suffered <laughs> through the bad times. I want to be part of this now that you got friggin' Mitchkoff here. So, like, I could envision a scenario where. Five years down the road, Scott Lawton is still here. It could happen. But he
0: will be 30 in May. He is signed for two years after this season. So it's like he's it's, kind of a tweener. Exactly. I just don't know where to yeah, put him. I, I, I but would, they
1: seem to love him. I would put him more on the side of unlikely to be part of the next Grey Flyers team. But I, I can't rule it out entirely just because of how highly they view him and how much he likes being here.
0: And then we have pieces who probably won't pan out. I have two names under this portion. Frost and Zamora. Frost and
1: Zamora Don't see it happening. Just I mean, don't that, yeah, see that, it that, happening. That's a fair opinion to have. I still, I think this next month and a half, while Cates is out, is pivotal to Morgan Frost. In a lot of ways, this might be his last chance. Oh,
0: it's. A, I guess we could call it an opportunity from the outside looking in. You'd be like, okay, this is it. I think internally, at least one guy, the guy who seems to matter
1: most, has his mind made up. I mean, sure seems like it. Circumstantial evidence <laughs> would imply. Zamora. look. We're 22 games into the season, into his first truly full season in the NHL. I'm willing to give him this year. Oh, he gets the year. It's just
0: like, what do I see in him? Third pair guy. Do you do you hang on to the, oh, we need, like, I don't know, you find
1: them. Yeah, Maybe find he's a out. good one. But, but, but I, I think it's fair I, for you to be skeptical of both those guys and their fit long term.
0: And then this is the part where I think they're going to take, like, These are the dudes who are going to be replaced, and that's what makes me think a year or two from now, they're actually worse than they are because they have at least competent veterans taking up a lot of this lineup who are going to be replaced with rookies, second-year dudes, whoever, in the near-ish future. Cam Atkinson, Nick DeLaurier, Garnett Hathaway, Ryan Paling. Mark Stahl, Nick Sealer, who I love, but he turns 31 a month before yeah, he's hitting not free agency this but. summer. And Sean Walker, who, again, really like him. 29, right-handed defenseman hitting UFA right
1: before he hits 30. Uh, you want to give him the long-term contract? I don't. Yeah, that's fair. I think the only quibble I will have with this, because you're looking at it as, well, they're going to get rid of these guys, and then therefore the team's going to be weaker. I don't disagree with you in theory. Because I do believe, I do agree with you that all these guys, with maybe the exception of Paling, because they do seem to they like him. They do like him. That like but maybe. Again, he,
0: fourth liner. Exactly. Cares.
1: He's not, he's not an essential piece to this. I, I think that while all of these guys will get moved out one way or another, I also could see the Flyers replacing these guys with. With other with veterans. With other veterans. See, that would be fucking silly.
0: That is when I will start being like these people who are like, this ain't a rebuild. That is when I will be upset with them. Yeah, well, it hasn't happened yet, so I'm not fair. going to. I know I'm okay now, I'm, but I'm not gonna get mad about it until it happens. This is my hope for if I can find the, because this isn't the way I would do it, right. but if this is the path they take from here, I will understand and agree with it. If they then replace Mark Stahl with new Mark Stahl, I'll think that
1: well, is asinine. So to answer, like, to kind of put it this way. I do think that like the guys on this list that play higher up in the lineup, like I do not think they are going to replace Cam Atkinson. I think they are going to either let Cam Atkinson play out his contract and then wave goodbye or trade him at some point over the next year and a half. And I don't think they are going to replace him with someone from the outside. They're going to replace him with Tyson Forrester, with Bobby Brink. They're going to move up the lineup and take that spot. Same thing with Nick Sealer, who currently is on the second pair. He's getting top four minutes. I think there's a very good chance they trade him at the deadline and they don't replace him. It's just like, all right, well, now we get to see what Emil Andre has. Now we get to see what Ronnie Adder has more easily, Adam Jenning, those sorts of things. So those guys, the guys higher up the lineup, I agree with you. They're not going to get replaced. That's where the kids are going to slide in or slide up. But guys like Hathaway, Paling, Stahl, like, yeah, I could easily see them this summer going out and signing new Mark Stahl to a one-year deal worth $1. $1.5 million dollars. Another guy who isn't that good, but fills out the lineup and, and it continues to like build this culture thing that they think is so important.
0: I guess I can see that. It's just like if you don't have an internal younger replacement for Mark Stahl, you, this is never gonna like then they... Like, it's, that, it's a fair point. That's, that's saying we have no defensemen. Yeah, it's fair we point. We have no defensemen then. Yeah. Like, we have York, we have Sandheim, and we have a bunch of dudes who are replacement-level players. If you don't have someone who can step into that role, like whether it's LJ Granz, Emil Andre steps up, Jinning, Adder, whoever,
1: if none of them can do it, uh, then we're really talking a long-term it, it, rebuild it's a, here. It's a reasonable argument. I think the, what they would throw back at you is that what Stahl brings isn't just on ice, that they think he brings essential qualities off the ice in terms of teaching these these kids and being that stabilizing presence in then the room. He should be a coach. Okay, fair. <laughs> but point being is that they might, if Stahl like retires at the end of the year, which sure sure looks like he's he's going down that road, even if they like somehow don't trade him. I could see them thinking we, sh- if, if an older guy who used to be real good and now is just whatever, if he's willing to come on a one-year deal with a, a, a low cap it, like, sure, you could be our new Marcel. I could see that.
0: And that's where we get into the potential pieces. Then obviously Mitch and Gauthier need to be stars. Bonk and Barkey are intriguing. And then we have the two first rounders in this draft and the unknowns Tuamala, Lixel Lixell, De Andre Jenning, Adderd. I'll even throw Leszczynski in there, even though, doesn't look like the coach likes him a ton. Yeah, um, fair. like you know, they went out and get Ryan Paling. It's like, oh well, okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like and those are the unknowns. But like, so much still hinges on the potential pieces that, like, yeah. it's still so up in the air that I think it really will be a long term plan. And what the conversation we're having a year from now is going to be like, oh yeah, that was year
1: one. And, and I think this draft is huge. This is one of oh, this is one of the, one of the reasons. Yeah, they have two firsts. And the thing is, is that there's such a clear path to them getting three. Because if you make, like, you don't even have to trade everybody. It's just like, hey, if you take advantage of the fact that Sean Walker's values to the roof, decent chance you get a first for him, at least a conditional first. If you decide you don't need Scott Lawton anymore, there's a first probably. If you make the decision that this is when you're moving from Travis Konechny, there's a first. You don't need to trade all these guys. You just need to trade one. And then suddenly, you have three first round picks. And if you have three first round picks, even if you end up with the 11th overall pick, maybe you can jump up. Not saying you jump up into the top two, maybe you can jump up maybe to you seven get or eight, six or seven, eight. Yeah, and, yeah like exactly. maybe you're
0: back in that realm. And like I know we all want those guys, but you mentioned Amiko Rantanen earlier. What was he two picks after uh, after pro? Yeah, something like nine or tenth? ten. Yeah, nine or ten. Like, I think it can. Ha- it, it happens. Yeah, I know we're like like we got. <laughs> Nolan Patrick at two. Guess who the best players in that draft were? Three, four, and five. Yeah, right. You know? Exactly. It happens. Exactly. All right. That is all the time we have for you today on PHLY Flyers. I hope you enjoyed our State of the Rebuild. I realize it's basically the theme of every show but i wanted to dive into it deep yeah. today because it was an ongoing uh, conversation in the uh, in the diehard discord again if you want to be a diehard all phly.com sign up it's a lot of fun you get to talk to charlie in the discord sometimes i pop in too all right my name is bill matts for charlie o'connor see you after the game tomorrow philly <laughs> we all city like the mayor.